so we are going to be in the Gospel of John today, which Tommy started preaching in last week. And the Gospel of John is really beautiful because John writes it in such a way that we really understand the characteristics of Jesus. And that's really my only agenda today is just to show you something else about Jesus so that if you know him, you might fall more in love with him today. If you don't know him, my prayer is that you might choose him today, that today might be the day that you choose him back because he's been choosing you since before your first breath. So I just want to show you more about who Jesus is today. We're going to talk about Jesus's pursuit of us today, and we're going to look at the um, chapter four, and we're going to read about a woman who is really good at deflecting questions and building up walls, and I don't know anybody like that. Certainly not a woman. Um, and so we're going to read about how Jesus transforms her heart and how he does that in chapter 4. So we're going to be, just to give you some history here. So Jesus, in the previous chapters in the book, Jesus has been ministering in Judea. And he has decided to go back to Galilee. And in Scripture, we got a map up here to show you too. In the Scripture in verse 3, it says, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. We might read that word had and think there was a geographical requirement that made him go this certain way through, through Samaria. But that's a, an incorrect presumption on our part because Jesus had other travel options. And in fact, because he was a Jew, he would have been required by law to, to bypass Samaria because the Samaritans were considered impure and unclean. And so he would have been required to bypass, that, to bypass that way. But if we look and see, we can see that he did not choose the green route to bypass Samaria. He went the green route straight to Sakar, which is in Samaria. So that word had is significant, right? He had to go through Samaria. The reason had is there is because he had an appointment. See, Jesus knew that there was a woman there that he wanted to transform her life. A woman who he wanted to meet with so that he could change her. He could transform her story, transform her life. So he had an appointment to uphold. So he went to Samaria. In the same way that he has an appointment with you today. You might just think that you're here today because it's Mother's Day and this is the one day a year you don't give your mom too much grief about coming to church. Right? Hey, y'all, that was funny. <laughs> Come on. Um, or maybe it's because it's Sunday, and this is what you do on Sundays. You come to church. But the real reason that you're in the room today is because Jesus is pursuing you. And long before this day existed, he has pursued you to put you right here because he has an appointment with you today. He is seeking after you to draw you closer to him. He has an appointment with you today that he will uphold because he is here and he has a word for you today. So as we look into the scripture, we see that Jesus is traveling, obviously, to Samaria. And y'all, he's walking through the desert and it's hot and he's tired. Okay, so Jesus is fully God, like Tommy talked about last week, fully God and fully man. So that fully man is tired. So he stops to rest at a well. And this is beautiful to me because the well is where people came to get their water. And here he is, the well of living water, sitting 
beside the well of physical water. It's just a beautiful parallel right there. And so the Samaritan woman, this woman is coming out of the city, coming out of Sychar, out to the well, and she's got her water pitcher in hand, and she's coming to draw water, which is the thing that she believes she needs. So she's coming to get what she thinks she needs, but really she's walking upon the thing that will meet all of her needs, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. So she's coming after one thing, but she's about to get something she never bargained for, but something that he knows she needs. See, he's there waiting on her, not because she needs, she knows that she needs him, but because he knows that she needs him. And it's noon, which means high sun in the sky. It's hot. Not the prime time to be coming to get your water from the well. But she comes at noon instead of in the evening when everyone else would have come to the well because she has a reputation and she doesn't want to face people at the well. So she's come at noon by herself, and he knows this. So he's there ahead of her, waiting on her so that he can uphold his appointment with her. So she comes at noon, and again, I've said he's waiting on her, and I just feel like this is beautiful because we so often can get into our heads that we're waiting on a move of God. We're waiting on God to provide us with a job, with a spouse, with a baby, with healing, with restoration, whatever it is that we're so longing and needing. And we can presume that we're waiting on him and that he is just inactive. But it's so wrong because he, not, he's unbound by time and space. And so, yes, he's with us in our waiting as we're waiting on things. But the real truth is that he's already provided what we need in himself because he's already been here and set us free. And so he is the provision. And he is out ahead of us in the future waiting on us with our provision in hand. So if we can get our heads shifted, that we're not just waiting on a move of God, but that we're living in a move of God, and he is being, he's preparing all of the things, and he's out ahead of us, and he's got what we need, and it's in his hands, and he is at the well waiting on us. And if we can get that in our heads, we might be a little bit more patient with the Almighty when we realize that he's got it. He's preparing things that we can't see. He's preparing. He's ahead of us, waiting on us. And so she comes out to the well, and it says in Scripture that the disciples have gone into town to get food. This is significant because he has created an opportunity to be alone with her. He knew that she, that she would travel out to the well alone, but he has sent his people away so that he can be alone with her because he wants to pursue her privately. He wants to pursue her. And so he has sent his disciples away. So here she comes out to the well, water jug in hand. And he says to her, would you give me a drink? And I sort of imagine it was like this. Are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. We don't do that. Right? Because that would have been illegal for them to even be talking, let alone drinking from the same water pitcher. But Jesus doesn't care about the laws and the norms and the rules and the boundaries because he's coming after you. He is breaking down walls to get to you. 
because nothing can keep him from you. He's going to get to you just like he got to her. So he asked her for a drink. She's a little appalled. And then his response, Jesus answered her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Y'all, this is so us. I read this and I was like, this is so me. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God, I am the gift of God. He's saying to her, I'm the gift of God and I can give you living water. And she throws a limitation on him. She says, you have nothing to draw with. God chases us down and he says, I can save your soul. And we say, you don't know my story. He pursues us and we throw a limitation on him and say, not me. That might work for everybody else, but not me. You don't know all that I've done. You don't know all that I've seen, all that I've been through. You don't know. And we throw a limitation on him. In our perception of him, we throw a limitation on him. And so I love what happens next because Jesus answers her. And don't y'all know Jesus always has an answer? I'm so thankful that he always has a comeback for all of my excuses. So in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so then she goes on to say, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She misses it. She misses it. He's offering her himself, and all she wants is the water. She misses it. But don't you know we've all thirsted? We've all been in that place of really longing for something, really being desperate for something, and we can miss the very thing we actually need. Like we have, you know, every drink, every drug, every person, every relationship, every gamble, every vice, everything we can think of, it might pacify us for a moment. That longing might go away for a moment. But the only thing that will ever satisfy us is the person of Jesus Christ. And so he's here and he's offering himself to this woman, but because she's so used to simply being pacified, she doesn't even know how to accept being satisfied. And that can be us sometimes. We just want the quick fix. Just give me the Band-Aid instead of the surgery. But he doesn't want to just pacify us. It's not in his nature. He wants to satisfy our longing because he loves us. And so she misses it. But Jesus doesn't give up on us just because we miss it. He keeps pursuing us. And so in the next verse, we see him say this to her. He says, go and call your husband and come back here. I have no husband, she replied. And he says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband because you have had five husbands and now the man that you're currently with is not your husband. Whoa, 
like calling her out. Like just put it all on blast for everybody. But remember that because he's pursuing her privately, he has created an environment where he's alone with her. He's alone with her. Because Jesus isn't the one who calls out our sin in front of everybody to embarrass us, to condemn us, to make us feel bad. That's what the enemy does. So don't confuse them here. That's what the enemy does. Jesus will call out our sin privately, not to condemn us, but to convince us of our need for him, to show us that we need him. And so he has called her out. And I want to mention, I don't think you get to a point in life where you've had five husbands and now you're on to number six without some pain, right? That's not everyone's like top of the list goal in life is to go through men like this, okay? So you don't get to this point in life without some hurt, without some real hurt. So she's got hurt and pain and grief and agony and maybe even some abuse, like all packed into here. And Jesus knew that, which is why he's handling her the way that he is. It's all packed in there, and he knew he had to get through to it. So quick story. Um, my husband, Dusty, is the handsome one over here that plays the guitar real well and sings. <laughs> yes. Um, so when he and I were first dating, um, I would go over to his house and visit occasionally. And one day that I was there, it was a little chilly in the house. And so I was going to go into his room and grab a sweatshirt. And as I head into his bedroom, he sort of like cuts me off from the kitchen, like slides in like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> I'm going to get a sweater. I'm a little cold. I'll get it. I'll get it for you. I, I can get it. I'm right here. No, I'll get it. So by that point, I'm like, mm, something's up. Okay. I was always super impressed at how clean the house was because cleanliness is a big deal to me. So I was always super impressed. So now I'm a little, my wheels are spinning, you know. So I go in there, push the closet. They had pocket doors that just slide. It won't budge. Can't open it. And so we just kind of make this eye, you know. Finally, I give it a little push and slide it open, and all the things come tumbling out to the floor. Like, y'all can't make this stuff up. I mean, just legit. I mean, there's clothes, clean clothes, dirty clothes, who knows. Uh, there's shoes, there's towels, computers, I don't know, just, just falling to the floor. So then there's this real, like, awkward moment where I, like, look at him, like, what? And he's, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how they got in there. I don't know who put that in there, right? But isn't that what we do, y'all? Like people are coming over and it's like, hey, just put all this stuff in the guest bedroom and close the door. Or that's just our house, <laughs> maybe. You know, like we, we hide it all and slam the door closed. And that's what this woman had done with her life. She had taken all of the hurt, all of the pain, and shoved it into the closet of her soul and slammed the door. Because if you can't see it, then it's not really there, right? And isn't that what we do? <clears throat> we shove all of this stuff, we just shove it down further and further, and we slam the door. And Jesus knew that all of that mess was in that closet. And he knew he had to turn that key to get to her. And the way he did that was by saying, I see you. 
I see you. I see all of the things you have done. I see all of the things that you thought about doing. I see it all, and I still want you. He turned that key by calling her out because he was really just calling her unto himself. He turned that key. And I believe he wants to turn that key in your heart today too. That closet, that just emotional place in you, you've been shoving all this stuff in and slamming the door. He wants to get in there. That's the very place that he wants to get in so he can transform it. He can restore it. He wants to get in there. But the real question I kept finding was why? Why? Why does he want to get in there? What's the point? Like, what are you doing, Jesus? And I believe if we look down at verse 23, we see the answer. He says to her, woman, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. On to verse 25, she says, I know that Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Don't you know that that's how she felt? It was like, He just called out all of those things. And even more than that, don't you know that she felt things that he knew that he didn't even say? And she was feeling all of them and going, oh, this is him. This is the one we've been waiting on. So you see that he has pursued her. And the reason he has pursued her is to transform her into a worshiper. A worshiper, because this is how it works. We try all the things that pacify us, and those don't work. Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy us. But because we've tried to pacify ourselves, we have all of these sins. We have all of this mess in our closet. But because he is the only thing that can satisfy us, when we have a clear view of ourselves, it allows us to have an awe-filled view of the perfection of Jesus. When we're satisfied in him and we know our story, we worship him because it's a natural reaction to the perfection of who he is. So he satisfies her to transform her into a worshiper. And one thing I love about Jesus is that when we think we have it figured out, this this is what he's doing, there are always thousands of things that he's doing in addition to that one thing that we never even know about. He's always up to more for our good and for the ultimate good of others than we can even imagine. He's always up to more. And the more that I think he was up to in this period of time with this woman is that he's pursuing her to win her, to transform her into a worshiper so that he can then go and reach her city, the city of Samaritans. And we see that because in the next section, She came to the well for what? Water. But she sits down her water jug. The very thing she came after, she puts it down. And she heads off into town to tell people about Jesus. That probably wasn't easy. 
Let's not pretend like it was easy to put down the water jug, to put down your agenda, to put down your to-do list, to put down all of the things that you want to do, to put all of that down and head into town to tell people about Jesus. But she did that because that's what living water does. It overflows because you can't contain it. So she sets down her agenda and she heads into town and she tells them about Jesus and people were changed in Samaria. They were changed because of her story. And then people went out to meet Jesus at the well and other people were transformed because of what he, what they experienced with him, because of what he said, because of who he is. So some were changed because of her story and others were changed because of their encounter with Jesus. So don't underestimate the power of your story. He's pursuing you to transform you into a worshiper so that he can reach and win others. There's always more at stake than just what we see. She leaves her water jar because now she's encountered Jesus. He has said, I am he. And she has been changed, filled with the living water that now she cannot contain. And she runs back into town just to pour it out. He reaches her city that day, and he chooses to do it through her. And I want you to know that there are people he wants to reach through you. He wants to win your household, and maybe he wants to go through you to get to them. He wants to win your workplace, and maybe he wants to go through you to get to them. He wants to reach that one friend that everybody else has given up on. And maybe he wants to go through you to get to them. And if you're a believer in the house today, the question on the table is, will you be an instrument that God chooses to use to liberate others? Or will you be an obstacle that he has to go around? Because he will get to them because that's who he is. But you will either get to be a part of it or he will go around you. I want to be an instrument. I don't ever want to have to look at my father and hear him tell me that he had to go around me to get to somebody else. I want to be an instrument for change. And I believe you're in the room today because you want to be an instrument too. So will you allow him to use you to set other people free? He's here and he's moving. He's having conversations with you in your heart and your head right now. And there's a decision on the table. If you've been running away from him and trying all of the different vices that will pacify you, and you've been running away, will you slow down today and let him catch you? Because he just wants to satisfy you, to change you, to transform you into a worshiper. Will you let him catch you today? Maybe you know Jesus, but you've got a closet full of mess. And you don't want it to open because you know as soon as it does, it's all going to come tumbling out on the floor. Will you let him open that closet today? Will you let him in there to transform it today? Because that's where he wants to get. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you're pretty solid, got a relationship with him. You're not perfect, but you're really seeking and you're really trying and you're really, you're really working at this whole thing. But you're walking with him 
Maybe today is the day that you pick up the pace and start chasing after somebody because you will never catch a runner by walking. So start running, pursuing somebody, chasing after someone for the glory of God. There's a response on the table for everybody in the room today. How will you respond? If you are in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you're really thinking through your head, I've tried all of the things, and I'm just pacified because it keeps coming back, and I want the only thing that can satisfy me. I want to know Jesus. In a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a real simple prayer. There's no magic in it. There's no special thing in the words. It's really what's happening in your heart between you and the Father. And so if you are in that position today, then pray with me. If you know Jesus today and you're sitting in these seats, you have an obligation to pray too because there are lost people in the room. So as I pray, you pray for them. You pray for courage and strength for people to say yes to him for the first time today. There's an obligation for all of us and there's a part that we get to play in the kingdom. And so we're gonna pray and you pray whichever prayer God's calling you to. God, I just, oh, I thank you. God, I thank you for every ear that has heard your word today. God, I thank you that every target that you have intended has been hit today. God, I pray right now for courage and strength for those in the room who just need to say yes and just need to open their hands. So God, let these words that will come out of the mouths of those in the room who need you. Let these words tether us to you. If you need to say yes to him, just pray these words with me. God, I need you. And God, I'm sorry. God, I see all of the things that I've tried instead of you. And I'm sorry. I'm a mess. And I need you. God, will you help me choose you today? God, what I just I want to say yes, but I, I don't even know how. So God, help me choose you today and tomorrow and the next day. God, will you set me free? God, will you make me new? God, will you change me today? I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he's chasing me down and I just wanna slow down and be satisfied in him. I thank you for the blood. I thank you that his blood covers all of my sin. And I thank you for the power and the freedom that I can have because of who he is. So set me free and stay, stay close to me, Jesus, because I can't do this without you.